Downloads of this show are available on Podomatic.com and the Podomatic mobile app. Hey, everybody, you're listening to the Famous Dead People podcast, the only podcast that resurrects famous people from the grave and asks them all the hard questions. We originally air as a radio show on Radio Free Brooklyn, so if you like the show and you want to hear episodes the day, the minute, the very second that they come out, you should check out Radio for Brooklyn every Monday at 3 p.m. That is when we originally air. You're back to the episode where I interviewed 40th President of the United States, Ronald Reagan, played by comedian Austin Sanders, and provocative writer and uh, playwright Marquis de Sade, played by comedian John Bander. It was a really hilarious talk. Uh, if you have any questions or comments, email us at famousdeadpeople at radioforbrooklyn.org. Check out my book, The Kellyanne Conway Technique. It is out now and it is hilarious. Go see my improv team, Junior Varsity, every Thursday at the Magnet Theater. And check out my website, jarrettbarenstein.com, for all of the live show dates and uh, updates on my upcoming projects. But for now, sit back, relax, and enjoy the Marquis de Sade and former President Ronald Reagan only on Famous Dead People. Famous Dead People. It's time. Time to start the show. Famous dead people. People you know. Famous dead people. Famous dead people. Famous stories stuck in the head. My guests today on Famous Dead People are French nobleman from the 18th century, famous for his erotic novels and plays, the Marquis de Sade. Hello. And an American actor and politician from the 20th century who served as the 40th president of the United States, Ronald Reagan. Hi. Uh, president Reagan, Mr. de Sade, welcome to Famous Dead People. Thank you so much for joining us. It is a pleasure, and I know much about pleasure. <laughs> sure oh, you know did. about pleasure? I know about applesauce and ice cream. Well, we, <laughs> we, uh, we will get to all of that. <laughs> um, but I'd like to start off with uh, President Reagan for a moment, if, if you don't mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you began your career as an actor and then eventually became president of the United States. Um, oh. And as far as I know, you're the first person to have made that specific transition from entertainment to political office. Uh, there may be early examples, but I, I don't know them off That's my not true. I know who the first person was. Oh, do you? Mm, yes. Now, do you remember that, uh, the, the video of, of the horse that went around in, in circles? The video of the, the horse the very, that very went first around in movie, The very, very first movie. Oh, It the, was just like a horse it, that, you know, kind of went... It, it wasn't a movie. It was a zoetrope. You know what I'm talking about? Of course. It was uh, a... We're talking about the same thing, right? It was we're just, talking about the same it thing. Was, it was a picture of a horse. It was basically what modern-day film is, but it went around in a circle uh, as opposed around. to being shown through projector, right? Uh, no, it was shown through projector, oh, and the man who sat on that horse <laughs> was Don Holloway. And that man went on to become city council of San Diego, Florida. Okay, Don Holloway. So he's mm. the first person that you would say made the transition from acting career to political life. The very first, and okay. guess what? Just like all members of those who reside in Hollywood, he was frightfully conservative. Oh, okay. Interesting. I mean, that's, that's such a, um, an interesting, like, uh, a misconception that we have of everybody in Hollywood being a, a, a liberal. But we'll, we'll get to that in just a moment. So, um, it's interesting also that you think that the guy who rode on that horse was an actor. That doesn't seem like a real acting career to me. Like, did he have other roles besides You had to believe that he could horse? ride the horse. You did have to believe that he could ride the horse. He couldn't yeah. ride a horse, but with rehearsals, he was able to do so. Yeah, and I'm sure, you know, you get to your character's core and everything like that. Um, so what made you want I to make that... I love to get to the core of people. <laughs> do you... Uh, I, I don't I don't want to, uh, uh, you know, show show our hands too early here. But is everything you say going to have be a little bit dirty today, Mr. Desaad? Like, well, it is uh, going to be free. I much believe in freedom. And OK, certainly most things can be taken to be dirty. All right. Is mud dirty or is it sensual and soft? <laughs> And the giver of life. I just want to make sure because I've gotten in trouble in the show before when somebody says something that I think is like a sexual innuendo and then they say, no, I meant it literally. And then I look like a gross person. You know, I just want to make sure that I'm reading you correctly. You know? I am going to be dirty. <laughs> okay. You are correct. Now about these hearts. Okay. About the horse that you're going to get to the core of? No. Uh, yes. Okay. Ooh, 
No, I was uh, allowing you to begin speaking again. Oh, that's wonderful. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, so um, uh, President Reagan. So what made you want to make that transition uh, to politics? I, I hear the life of a successful actor is pretty sweet. So I don't know why you would want to, you know, leave to go be a politician instead. Well, I was having a long late night conversation with Humphrey Bogart. Ooh. We were down in Ugh. his pleasure pit talking about snakes and talking about what it's like to hang out and just be conservative with our other good friend, Spencer Tracy, also a, a very known conservative. What a weird combination of people and activities. But go on, go on. I just mm. wanted to point that out. By the way, we have a velvet painting of you in that little pleasure room, Marquis de Sade. Oh, so there is a there is a painting of the Marquis de Sade in the... A uh, velvet painting. The pleasure room... Yes. That you and other Hollywood conservatives would hang out and, and talk about snakes and just talk about snakes. Talk about snakes and, of course, the <laughs> events of the day. Mm -hmm. And uh, I said I was thinking about getting into politics. And Humph was like, you should do it. You should do it. You should get in there and you should give Nancy a call and then uh, see if the two of you would be comfortable going into this new lifestyle together as people who hang out in pleasure pits in Hollywood, California, and then moving over to Washington, D.C. and hanging out in their pleasure pits. Oh, different pleasure pits depending on what industry that you work in. Interesting. I didn't know mm -hmm. that. I didn't know that so many have pleasure pits. Yes, um, we have different animals in the pleasure pits in Washington, D.C. I would love to hear more about that, but I'm sorry, Marquis, you were going to say yes, something? Yes, I had a question about the pleasure pit. I'm sure you um, when you were finished and you had the snakes bite you so that the um, poison could enhance the uh, sexual feeling. I don't feeling. think that's what happened. I think they were just talking about snakes. Isn't that, isn't that right, uh, President Reagan? Uh, it depended on the person. Usually we were just talking about it. But, you know, every now and then you get someone who would tear ass around the room with a, with a big old snake. I remember one day Judy Garland came in and she uh. was hopped up on pills <laughs> and alcohol. And she said, oh, I'm going to fling the snake all around this room and I'm going to feel a pleasure I have never known. And I watched her do it. And then we talked about the events of the day <laughs> and then uh, talked about moving into politics, which she considered for a brief time. Oh, interesting. Mm. I would have loved to have seen a Senator Garland or a President Garland. You know, I think that would have been incredible. She could sing at her own coronation. Oh, yeah, uh. that would have been what She would have been her own Beyonce. She would have been her own Beyonce. <laughs> what a beautiful thought. <laughs> okay, so Mr. Masa Mr. Desaad. Yes. Um, so you were known mainly for your erotic works, which, and I'm quoting the Wikipedia here, they describe it as having depicted sexual fantasies involving violence, criminality, and blasphemy. Um, <laughs> yes. And I'm wondering if you had a conscious motivation for doing that work? Like, was this just a way, like, did you really want people to know what you were into and that's why you were writing the books? Or was it purely that you thought it would be something that would entertain the masses? Was there, was there a different motivation there? It was most definitely a cry for attention. Oh, and a cry for, for attention. To be understood. Okay. You see, when I was a child, I stole my friend's little matchbox car and that act of criminality turned me so incredibly rock hard. That I thought, ah, I have now turned the corner into new territories. But mm. I cannot, for I am a young boy. What? Where can I make these, uh, where can I make these, these pleasures known? Especially in many people were saying, oh, Marquis, you are so good. Oh, Marquis, you look so nice. Oh, Just a point of clarification, your first name is Marquis? <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> and uh, I, any assertion uh, otherwise is wrong. Mm -hmm. um, my we'll first have to name... correct the Wikipedia about that when, when I go home tonight. I promise uh, I will, Mr. Uh, Mr. Please, yes. Yeah. It is, uh, my first name is Marquis. My middle initial is D. And my last name is Saad. Oh, I thought it was de Saad, like like uh, they would say in French, of Saad. Oh, uh, no. But you're saying no. it's just a D, no, 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 a no. D period Saad. Yes, absolutely. What, like, is, what is your middle name? Yeah, what does the D stand for? Uh, dominate. <laughs> yes. Wow. That was, that, was a, that was a name that was given to you at birth. That was not something that you earned later in life just through your activities. Hmm. At first, my name was Marquis S. Saab, which was for sub, but 
later I changed my definition of pleasure. I see. <laughs> Once I was un- underneath a bully and I turned it devils. A bully, the bully in this case, was my dog. Was my loving dog. And then I turned my... He came on me to lick my face. And then I turned him over and I pinned him down. And I burned him with a cigarette. Oh, my God. And... He was my best friend from then on. Wow. I didn't know that that's what they did in France, that they would give you a middle initial of S or D, to, depending on whether you wanted to be a sub or a dom. I didn't know that. Absolutely. Oh, Lu- wow. Louis D14. <laughs> yes. That is I all remember when new we had French dignitaries over and we always had to find out, you know, whenever you're having a state dinner, you need mm-hmm. to know if you need to put the subs over on one table or oh God. the the domin the dominance over at another table. You always had to know where they stood it would on be, the sexual pecking it order. It would be yes. awkward if you sat a D next to another D because they would constantly be trying to dominate each other yes. during the entire state dinner. You suddenly have an international incident on your hands. And by the way, everybody's nice about it. They're like, why aren't you letting me dominate you? And then they're like, why aren't you letting me dominate you? And at the other table, the subs are just politely... Just like cowering away from each other. cowering away from They each other. all have uh, apples in their mouths. And I was trying to tie them in with their ties. They're moving. They're moving away with their heads, but they're sort of poking their butts out towards the other person, sort of forming what looks kind of like a heart or and, a W. And many treaties. Many many treaties. Yes, that's how many treaties have been signed. Have been signed when, when you have when you have harmony and accord between subs and doms. That's when you can get down. To doing politics. Yes, absolutely. Well, what I wanted to know, um, uh, Mr. Mr. Desaad, so so there was, was there any um, uh, you know need to entertain? Like, did you feel you did, did you have an instinct as a raconteur or someone who wanted to get stories told, or were you just trying to let your freak flag fly and attract other freaks to your lifestyle? Uh, I was most definitely a storyteller. Mm, okay. I was wanted to be, I, you know, I thought free and I. I just was not shackled by the prisons of clothing and mm-hmm. buildings and, um, you know, bedtime and <laughs> other people's rooms being sealed off doorways. It, it all seemed very pedestrian to me. Mm. So I said, or so I said, I must tell stories to attract the others who think this way. Interesting. Yes. Well, I wanted to ask you also, so you said that this that the first moment of your kink, that you discovered your kink was... Was um, this thing with the the, the matchbox car? Uh, uh, yes. <laughs> God, we got to get the cold water that we can throw on the marquee. This whole conversation is going to be turning them on so so much. Yes, it was a uh, small rep- representation of the General Lee. Okay, and this was a and what you you stole it from your friend? I forget exactly yes. how the story went. I stole it from my friend. That is when you became aroused, and you realized that maybe there was a whole sexual world out there for you to explore. Yes, uh, uh, one uh, bent on the dark side of human uh, achievement. Interesting. Yes. Yeah, well, I'd love to. Are, oh, are, are other images from the Dukes of Hazard? Do those also send you into uh, send you into a, an erotic euphoria, a frenzy? Uh, some of them, yes. When they escape the authorities and jump over. Every time I hear that horn, I am. Irreparably <laughs> tumescent. If I were to say the words Jackie Gleason. Oh, yes. But, but I hate that uh, boss hug. <laughs> he is too much. That's boss too on hug. the nose. He just, he just throws cold water over the whole thing uh, as soon as you think about boss white hug. White on white is so, uh, so uh, uh, plain pedestrian. Interesting. Yes. Okay. Well, yeah, I'm I'm sure that we would delve more into some of your kinks and some of your uh you likes and dislikes. Um, but uh, I'd like to go over to present rating here for a moment. So, um, according to one of your uh biographies, at an early age you developed a strong faith in the goodness of people and optimism in other humans. And I'm wondering, was there an incident in your youth that inspired you to have these lofty ideals of your fellow men? Oh, yes. I remember this one <laughs> I remember this one day I left my keys at the malt shop mm-hmm. and then somebody called me and then they gave me the keys back and I thought, mm, that's going to be with me for the rest of my life. Really? Just mm. like, just those that key getting back to you? That's all it took. How old were you at the time? Mm, seven. You were seven years old and you had house keys 
that you had left at the malt shop. Very irresponsible, very irresponsible. My parents always used to wake me up in the morning and say, it's morning in America. And then they would send me off on my way with my keys, and they would send me off with a stack of Shakespeare plays, and they would say, all right, now go off and figure out who you want to be. Hmm, interesting. Wow, I just, you know, life at the, in, in that time in America is so much different than our time. You know, we wouldn't just just shove our kids out the door with just keys and a bunch of Shakespeare plays, you know. Ah, but in my day, it was different. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, of course, you know, you you were you grew up at a completely different time than we are. And now, you know, these kids today, they have completely different uh, girls. Yes, uh, they have totally different priorities and things that they're into. And parents have different ways that they try to, you know, uh, uh, help their children to grow, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, if you're just joining us, this is Famous Dead People on Radio Free Brooklyn, and my guests today Welcome back. are American actor and politician and 40th president of the United States, Ronald Reagan, Hello. and 18th century French nobleman famous for his erotic novels and plays, the Marquis de Sade. Hey, bonjour. Um, so let me ask you, uh, Mr. de Sade, Mr. de Sade, uh, yes. you went to a Jesuit school in Paris uh, when you were young, and I know that one of the themes in your in your writing was bla- blasphemy, um, and I'm wondering if you know you just generally had a dislike for authority, or maybe you had like a negative experience at that Jesuit school that inspired that to be a part of your work, that inspired blasphemy to be part of your of your work philosophy. Well, um, I had many a negative experience mm-hmm. with every school I was ever at because. I did not believe that I should just be mm, doing homework or anything like that. But I love Jesus. I love Hmm. Jesus so much. I don't like him as a person, but every time I see him, he has these, he is wearing a crown of thorns and he has two holes in his hands (laughs) and they punish him. And he is a beautiful man. And I know it is not represented, but he is so hard on that cross. (laughs) He is up there. He's like, yes, yes, oh, yes. And then, um, and so that is why I stayed in Jesuit school. Because That's why you stayed in school was because of just the this image of Jesus that was making you horny and that, that you thought was so erotic. Because I saw what was underneath everything. You know, it's like, yeah. You know, a, a little bit of inside afterlife baseball is that the common quote of, uh, God, why hath thou forsaken me? Mm-hmm. Is actually uh, is actually that's a misquote. It was actually, why didn't you forsake me sooner? Wowza! Because <laughs> uh, he was so into it. Yeah, because he was so into getting forsaken. Yeah. What took so long? I I I find that hard to believe. Um, but I, I guess what I find most interesting about that is like you're you're saying that Jesus getting tortured is is the only thing that you really liked about your specific religion. Is that right? Well, not the only thing. Okay. I also, um, I took one of the, uh, there are these beautiful curtains around. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, great curtains, you know, French curtains. And so I cut the, the top off one of them and I made a whip out of it. And I used that whip to whip myself and other people who I found through my literature. And then... It just sounds like you like curtains. <laughs> oh, I like curtains, too. Ah, oh, the sun is a monster. And mm-hmm. To block it is, <laughs> is the will of every man. Oh, Wait, so it is did achievement. You, so then did you just like... Did you not like the religion part of it? Is it just, you know, curtains for whipping and a a beaten and erect Jesus Christ on the cross that those those are the things well, that you that everything else is, you can throw away. Jesus was the ultimate sub. <laughs> because what does the H stand for in Jesus H Christ? <laughs> a huge sub. I feel like I feel like we're getting to a period. I think we should move back over to uh, uh President Reagan here for uh, a moment. Are you sure? Because I, I have I have plenty more to say on this. <laughs> I've actually, I'm, I'm going to agree with the marquee that we might want to explore this. No, a no, more. we'll we'll get into more of this in a little bit. Let's let's put a pin in it for a second. Um, oh, please put so. a pin in it. Yes, <laughs> Mr. Mr. President. So your first career out of school was a radio announcer for baseball games, and uh, I heard this. This this blew my mind. You know, as somebody who works in entertainment, the fact that this was your in 
into the world of entertainment. Just completely blows my mind. So you were traveling with the Cubs to California in 1937, and you took a screen test that led to a seven-year contract with Warner Brothers. Is that true? Yes, it is. I can't believe that. Was it really that easy to just get a screen test? You could just walk in and get a screen test? Well, you've heard the old tales, Jared, of somebody hopping on a bus, winding up in Hollywood and ending up with a seven-year deal with Columbia or with MGM. They're rare. They're very rare, though, those stories. Why, the reason I even got that gig was because I ran into Louis B. Mayer in the audition room, and he said, kid, you've got it. And then he took me back into his pleasure pit. Again, yes. there was a velvet, I'm here. There was a velvet yes. painting of you. And boy, did we have a grand old time talking about snakes, future projects, and of course, the events of the day. I, I wish that I was I was uh, more baffled by the pleasure pits uh, than I am the fact that snakes came up in conversation so much. I just don't know why people were talking about it that much. Just snakes. Uh, <laughs> you've got your copperheads. You've got your rattlesnakes. Your gar- a- garter snakes, right? Vipers. Mm-hmm, yeah. Garden snakes. Uh, I, I, is there a garden and a garter snake? I think They're it's, different. Yeah, I think they are. I think garter snakes you put too. in your garter. <laughs> I don't think that's why they're called that. That's uh, absolutely. You didn't, think, yes. you didn't think that was the, like um, like there were so many people who have gone to Hollywood and tried really hard and have failed to achieve their dreams. You don't think it was weird that you just like waltzed in, took a screen test, and it's like, bam, I'm going to be a professional actor for at least the next seven years of my life. Look, not everybody's got it, but I could tell kind of early on that I had it. I had something that people wanted. Mm-hmm. I had something that people wanted to listen to, and it turned out I also had something that people wanted to see, and that was my smiling face, warmly looking at them, making them feel as if every horrible thing that was happening in their life was actually going to be okay, and that we could see a bright future ahead, a city on a hill. Somewhere where we could all come together as one group of white people, all together, (laughs) holding on to our money, holding on to it in spite of people who are also white who maybe don't have money, and then sort of pushing them over to the side and saying, well, you're just not white enough. There's There's an old term, I don't know if you've heard it, it's called WASP. There are people who belong to be in power, and that's the exact kind of person that I was, and I milked it for every dollar that it was worth. You know, President Reagan, I know that it has been Mm. decades since you've been in politics, but you still got it. You Mm. still got it. I was inspired throughout that entire speech. That was incredible. I inspired you to be the person that you are, which is white, and to just keep knocking (laughs) it out. Don't tell him I'm Jewish. I feel like this could go south really quickly. Let's go back to the Marquis de Sade here for just a moment. Um, So you served, you fought in the Seven Years' War. I did. Uh, You returned to France and you courted a rich magistrate's daughter, Mm, Uh, but he rejected, uh, the father rejected the the courtship and instead uh, married you off to his eldest daughter. Um, And I'm wondering, did he give you any reason why he was like, don't marry my young daughter, marry my old daughter instead? Like, is there a reason why he rejected the original courtship? Yes, of course. I wanted his younger daughter. Her name was Julie. And uh, Julie was so beautiful. But one night I came home and I I was there. I wanted to be with Julie so much. And the father came out and he said, you cannot be with Julie. And I said, on guard. And I cut his face Oh, my God. Yeah. He, he challenged her father to a duel. He said on guard. And I oh, cut he his said face. on guard. Yes. Oh, gotcha. Yes. I assumed he had something there. I thought it was it was dark. I thought he had a <laughs> weapon. It did not. And I cut his face. And then he said, oh, I love it. Kiss me. Kiss me oh now. Oh, my God. And he came on to me. And I said, this is wonderful and wild. What did you cut his face with? Did you have an epee handy? Did you have something else? Uh, a rapier? Uh, I had a, a, a cuirass. A cuirass? <laughs> a cuirass. It's, a a, so, it's cuirass. another type of song. It sounds... <laughs> yep. The way that it sounds. <laughs> I I don't understand what you mean. I it's, had no, it's a fine. cuirass. It's fine. It's fine. We don't need, we a don't need to get into that. Ass. Um, wait, so I'm confused. So he he's in your house. You're you go confused? Home. Uh, You're, queer... No. <laughs> S. Can you spell it? No, no, no. C U I. We don't need to. R A S S. Oh, queer ass. Okay, that makes a lot more sense. 
So what I'm, what I'm curious about is... I also had is... a gay butthole. <laughs> but that was a shield. Which was a shield. Okay. Um, so, yeah, my question is, so you're saying that he was in your house. Yes. And he was telling you that he rejected to uh, the courtship. But did he tell you why? Did, was, he, was, it, was there a reason why he was rejecting it? Or did you just immediately cut his face and then it seemed like the both of you got kind of aroused by that we were both very aroused by it okay and so we had in an experience a tryst you see we but why did you originally reject the courtship is what i'm wondering i believe it is because he was um he was uh originally we played um we played dice for it okay and i lost in dice in a game of a street game of dice mm. and that dice, makes sense. dice that makes rules. Sense. Yeah, <laughs> I like, I like that. You know, yeah, it's yeah. Fanal. it's mm-hmm. fanal. Yeah, and so then he made me. He said he came onto me, and we had a tryst. But then he was even more uh, revolt, reviled because he said, "What? The, what did I do?" And I said, "Yes, we both had sex with each other." And he said, "You must marry my oldest daughter," and. Then I said, okay. And that was how I married his daughter. However, Mm -hmm. I still had sex with his youngest daughter. Well, yes, I did read about that in your biography. And I'd love to ask you. Oh, I'm right about that? (laughs) Oh, fantastic. Was that, did you not even remember, Mr. Desaad? I'm remembering now. In the words of a good friend of mine, it's all coming back. If if you, I mean, I'm imagining that your life, it's probably hard to remember exactly who you did and who you didn't have sex with because it just seems like you know so much of your life was debauchery and I think and the orgies. easier question to answer would be who didn't he have exactly sex? like there's probably a shorter list but we'll, we'll get to all that in just a moment um i'd like to go back to uh president reagan here for just a moment so your first movies the Anytime, ones time jared the, just what, let me know when you're gonna come back the ones that you uh <laughs> that you that you first started when you got your contract were called b movies they were movies that were like lower quality lower budget it uh, didn't matter if they were good. You had to finish them quickly. Um, and your first movie uh, in this genre was a 1937 movie called Love is in the Air. Do you remember Love is in the Air? Do you remember anything about that film? I remember it quite well. Mm-hmm. It was about a man on a horse. He was riding the horse in circle, and he just kept going around and around and That's around. That's interesting and I because said, I know. Because mm-hmm. you, you mentioned a, a movie that was really similar to that earlier in the, what do you in mean? the interview. What do you mean? You just said that there was a guy in a movie who... Where did I say that? I didn't say that. At the very beginning of the interview. Hmm, what? Hmm? Well, it's, it's neither here nor there. So you're saying that oh, I'm love... I'm sorry, is... I'm sorry. I've, I've, been we're losing, a, I've been losing my memory. We're over here. We're over here. <laughs> I've been losing my memory here recently, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, no, I know that you had some uh, some problems with Alzheimer's towards the end of your life, but... Have, dear boy, have. Well, you currently, you still have it. Oh, yes, yes, yes. No, I was in this movie called Love is in the Air, and it was wonderful because it was set on a hill. It was a beautiful city, and everybody was gathered around, and we were all white. And then <laughs> the next thing that happened was something horrifying happened. Well, what happened? What happened was horrifying. There was a murder that happened, and then we were all locked inside a chamber, and we had to figure out who had done it? And that's when I asked my good friend Hercule Poirot to come down and figure out who was the person who had done it. And then uh, Louis B. Mayer called me into his office. And, oh, wait, 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 was I talking just now? Oh, yeah. I, I, I thought you were like... Nancy? Nancy. Oh, God. President Reagan's having Nancy? an episode where he doesn't remember. Um, oh. Oh. He's walking toward the cliff. Oh. <laughs> come, come back this way. Back. Oh. Sit, sit back down in the chair, oh, President no, I'm Reagan. I'm sorry. I'm that's sorry. That's okay. That's completely understandable. You two um, boys are quite handsome. What are oh, we doing thanks. here today? Mm-hmm. Oh, well, you know, we're just oh. having a little interview. Uh, but Mr. Desaad, let's keep professional, okay? We'll just try to get to the end of this interview. Um, that was interesting. Like, I'd really like to piece together, like, what part of that description was like the actual movie and what was maybe the uh deranged ramblings of somebody who half half of his brain has deteriorated away because of alzheimer's mm. um but unfortunately we have to take a short break um so we will be right back with the marquis de Sade and former president ronald reagan on famous dead people stay with us famous dead people famous dead people famous dead people 
Hey everybody, just want to take a quick break to remind you to subscribe to Famous Dead People on iTunes or whatever app you are using to listen to podcasts. Rate us five stars, leave a comment, tell your friends. All that stuff helps us out a ton. And feel free to hit us up at FamousDeadPeople at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org if you want a specific Famous Dead person on the show or if you have any comments that you want to shoot over to us. Whatever we love hearing from fans. Uh, Also, check out my book, The Kellyanne Conway Technique. It is out now. It is hilarious. I hope that you will check that out and read that and uh, leave reviews, awesome reviews on Amazon or BarnesandNoble.com or whatever and tell your friends to read it because it's super funny and I want that money. Also, go check out JarrettBarrenson.com for all the latest on my show dates and uh, up-to-date project information. And lastly, if you really like Famous Dead People and you want to send us some money to help keep the show on the air, go to RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash Famous Dead People and click on the Support the Show button. Thanks again for listening and now back to the podcast. Famous dead people, famous dead people, Welcome back to Famous Dead People on Radio Free Brooklyn. Famous Dead People, the only show that resurrects famous people from the grave and asks them all the hard questions. I'm your host, Jared Berenson, and we are here every Monday at 3 p.m. on Radio Free Brooklyn. My guests in the studio today are American actor and politician who served as the 40th president of the United States, Mr. Ronald Reagan. City on a hill. And a French nobleman from the 18th century, famous for his erotic novels and plays, The Marquis de Sade. Mm, despacito. <laughs> um, so, Mr. de Sade, uh, the Wikipedia is very descriptive about your lifestyle of, deba- of debauchery. It seems like you weren't even doing any writing you know, in the beginning of your life, like the the 20s and 30s, it just seems like it was just sex and violence with prostitutes, men and women, um, tying up your servants and whipping whipping them and sodomizing them, like like some really shitty stuff that you were doing to people. Um, was, was there really nothing else that interests you in life besides indulging in your basest instincts? Well, no, of course. Uh, I mean, obviously, I spent a lot of time... Uh, um, you know, tying up people who worked for me and, mm-hmm. and sodomizing them and, and inflicting pain with whips and, and of course, uh, having the lots of sex. Mm-hmm. But um, was, uh, <clears throat> you know, writing wasn't always uh, just the only thing I did. Mm-hmm. I also was an avid kite flyer. Oh, you did a lot of kite flying. I used to fly kites all the time. It's not in the Wikipedia oh, at really? all. Like, they really don't mention this. Because here's what I would do. I would build an incredible kite, and I would make it into glorious shapes. Um, you know, the fleur de lis, of course, my favorite kite. And then, mm. um, um, and what I would do is I would make this beautiful string all the way down. And as a handle, I would use a servant's neck. And all I would do is tie it so tight that it would choke the life out of the servant and I would direct the servant left and right in the park to decide which way does the kite go and all the children would point up at the kite and say look everyone is fly it is flying and we would all laugh and the servant would go to their knees turning blue blue like France (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry was the servant then okay after he had been strangled by this kite that you had made the servant was not only okay the servant had um completed uh, to f- uh, completed themselves. They had ejaculated. <laughs> the, I'll use the word. And then, Is that how you say that in France? You completed yourself. It was completed. Well, in France, they say they call it the tiny death in orgasm. They say le petit mort. Isn't that, isn't that true, uh, Mr. Desaad? No. They don't, no, <laughs> they don't that. say that. We have never said that. That is, I've, I've read that like a thousand times. No. I was 100% sure that in French, they call orgasms le petit mort, the little death. No, we call it la grande jizz. <laughs> The big jizz. What does that, that translate to the grand jizz? Okay, interesting. So, so yeah, after so, you're finished having sex, you could theoretically say, who died? Who? Well, if it was the Petit Moore, obviously. But they're saying, he, he's saying that it was not. Am, yeah. am, I, am, I, am I summarizing that correctly? Of course. Yeah, yes. I, I'm so sorry, Mr. Reagan. But it, it seems um, like he just missed that little, but that little moment there. Often after sex with me, people did die. <laughs> so you could say, who died? That is strange then that they wouldn't use, you know, the, uh, the, the little death. Um, you know, to describe that. Um, Don't so yeah, believe so, Wikipedia. So you're basically saying that uh, your life, the, the, the spectrum of interest in your life was 
writing about sex and fucking and violence, um, doing Jared, doing language. sex and fucking and violence and sodomy yeah. and torturing people for for sexual pleasure, and flying kites that were strung around your servant's neck so that you that that he could orgasm, um, and maybe she. you would get he or she. And that you would get sexual pleasure from the fact that you knew that you were choking this person. Is is that a fair summary, would you say? Also, I like to fly a kites. But yes, <laughs> it, that is the, the most, uh, about 95% of my, and then, you know, I ate and I slept a little bit. Well, obviously, everybody has to eat and sleep, you know, yes. and be be in shelter. That's just, you know, the, the basic necessities of being a human being. Yes, of course. Yeah. Would you ever uh, eat off of a person or did you like to keep that separate? That seems, yeah, that's not on the Wikipedia at all. If you engage in, in engaged in any splooshing, they call it, where you where you eat food off of people and you smush food into people. You didn't have to look that up. <laughs> it's true. He just knew it. He just knew it. He well, I prepared for this interview. I read a, a lot about fetishes because I wanted uh, to be prepared that hadn't for come this up. interview. That hadn't come up. Uh, what is this, Le Petit Mort? No, so let's not splooshing. I have that. Or all down. Yeah, did you ever use any food or anything in any of your uh, of sexual course. proclivities? We are a food culture. We are a sex culture. Mm, maybe a little foie gras on the nipples. Of or, course, uh, yes. Mm. Sushi everywhere. Maybe you would do like uh, body shots, but you'd use a Bordeaux or uh, a Pinot Noir. Yes, all of like those that. Oh, wonderful. Hey. So you would put the Bordeaux inside the belly button. You would sort of like swirl it around. Mm -hmm. Yes, you let, let it breathe. breathe. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, a, a nice full-bodied Bordeaux, you definitely need to aerate it a little bit, I think. Yes, you know, I think it's absolutely. Really smart. Or you just, you know how in the movies, if someone is poor, they wear a barrel. So we mm -hmm. would have a cask of wine and someone would get in it. <laughs> and it would just get all in all the cracks and crevices, the nooks and crannies. And then we would drink the wine mm, from the barrel. That sounds delicious and, and sexual. Um, so, uh, President Reagan, um, uh, I read that you had to put your film career on hold for a few years so that you could serve in the Army during World War II. Uh, but I was reading through your service activities, and it seems like you were mostly involved in PR for the military and the war effort. Is that right? Yes, it is. Okay. And so, so yeah, you weren't doing that much fighting. You weren't doing that much training or anything. You were basically just, like, making movies that were... Encourage people to buy war bonds and oh, I don't you know, know about that. I was morality fighting, up. I was fighting the Jerry's. Of course, I was. I was fighting. I was fighting in the only way that I knew how money. Mm. I fought in the only way that I knew how to actually inspire Americans. And the only way that I've ever actually been able to inspire Americans is with money and the promise of more of it. And the promise that if you give me some, that you will receive the benefit, even though some of you may or may not receive that benefit. Mm. That's something that I've done my entire life. It seems almost like a pyramid scheme, you know, or, or a Ponzi scheme. Or... No, it's not a pyramid scheme. The way that it works is that you give me money. Mm -hmm. Then... If you get somebody else to give you money, then you make money. Of course, that money then goes to me because I'm at the top. You're so then you're describing exactly what a pyramid scheme is, uh, <laughs> Mr. President. No, that I'm not. No, it's a, it's a it's a groovy triangle, <laughs> and what it is is uh, it's just somebody who is at the bottom level providing money to so that somebody one level up, but a smaller level <laughs> well, up. Not, listen, not to, not to derail you, Mr. President, but so so do you remember any of these movies or? Um, uh, you know, propaganda radio sure, program. I remember you... one. My favorite one was my uh, my favorite one was uh, Cashback. It was a, it was a this is a movie made for it, the war effort called it was, Cashback. Called Cashback and Attack. And what that was, it was two it was two uh, silly young men. Why it was it was me as the as the handsome lead, and then my funny little guy who uh, hung around with me, whose name was. Uh, Buster Fidedito, and he was played by the great comedian. What a great name, Buster Fidedito. <laughs> <laughs> we did a number of pictures together. You, uh, you and Buster. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, uh, we did one called uh, called Duck Privates. Uh, we did another one called. Uh, we did another one called. Uh, we did another one called uh, Meet the Mummy. Meet the Mummy. Yes, we were in high competition with Abbott and Costello, and Ooh, of course that uh, makes sense. That yeah. makes sense. Yes, they did the Mummy, and you did Meet the Mummy. 
Yeah, that's not a that's not an A to C right there. That's kind of uh, A to B. That's good. a straight line. No, we are in competition with the. Oh, you're saying that now they don't make similar pictures. You're saying oh, no, that now yeah, that there's, there's definitely movies that are in uh, competition uh, with each deep other. Space for every Armageddon that gets made. Of course, you know? yes. Uh, I think you mean Deep Impact. Deep Impact. That's yes. right. Deep's oh man, that is just the. You know when you know when your parents do that when they ruin the titles of movies and it's yeah. so embarrassing when you're a yes. kid. I just did that like mm. very sincerely. I forgot that the name of that movie was Deep Impact. I called it Deep Space. No, I Deep. was never going to forget the title of Deep <laughs> Impact. I couldn't forget it because <laughs> Deep Impact is Deep Impact is honestly my absolute favorite performance of Taylor Leone's. Mm -hmm. Really, I was rooting for the meteor in all of those <laughs> pictures. Really, you like uh, Taylor Leone in um, in Deep Impact more than Taylor Leone in, say, Bad Boys. Bad Boys. Bad Boys. Bad Boys. <laughs> bad boys. Of course, it's Bad Boys. Ghost Town. She was also in a Fox sitcom in the 90s called Flying Blind. Flying That's when Blind. I first saw her and I fell in love. I can't believe. Oh, she was also in a Woody Allen movie called uh, Hollywood Endings, I uh, believe. Yes. All and, right. uh, she was in Spanglish and she was also. She was great in Spanglish. Is she not in Madam Secretary? Is she in Madam I don't watch She's that. She's on show. the television show on ABC called Madam Secretary. Yes. Mm, wonderful. Well, that must be a show that you enjoy, you know, having experience in politics. You probably watch all those uh, political shows, right, Mr. President? Nope. <laughs> well, but you know what show on. I do love? You know what show I do love? Which show do you love, Mr. President? My show uh, that I do love to watch is, have you ever seen that television program? It starred me and, and Joe Fadidio. Oh, Joe Buster's brother's brother, I'm assuming. Buster's brother, mm -hmm. Joe Fadidio. Mm -hmm. And it was called, it was called Cash Back. No way, Jack. You know what we lack? <laughs> And a title is still going on. Uh, what was the first movie, the Cashback movie that you wrote? It was Cashback something. It was called Cashback. Thanks, Mac. Thanks, Mac. Uh, I feel like that was. I mean, uh, you know, I, I could be misremembering that, but I feel like it was different the first time you said it. But that's neither here nor there, Mister Desad. Yes. Um. So you got into a lot of legal trouble for the things that you were doing to people, and for some of the things you were saying about the church. Oh uh, no, uh, not legal trouble. You <laughs> Why do you shirk that off? That's a big deal, especially like way back then. You know, prisons are not the safe environments that they are today, and they're not safe today either. They're not safe today. No. Yeah. Why? Why are you? Why are you not concerned about uh, being locked away for the things that you were doing and saying? Because there is always a way to choke yourself in prison. <laughs> there is nothing wrong. There is no sunlight, and everyone goes crazy. Well, let me ask you this: So you were you had to like flee. Uh, the country and jump around in different cities in order to evade uh, prosecution. And you were you were doing all this with a manservant uh, who you had hired, a man named Latour. Oh, yeah. Uh, and the two of you were fleeing from Italy to the cost and, and, and sometimes, and then you were caught back in Paris later. Um, but I'd love to know, like, was Lacoste, like, just some guy that was working for you, I mean, was he a willing participant in all these exploits and, uh, and narrow escapes from the authorities? Of course he was. Yeah, so he, is he just somebody that's being paid, or was he into it? He was totally into it. Okay. You could tell because every time I tugged on the chain around his neck, he said something <laughs> that I could not hear because he was gagged. However, mm -hmm. if he was not, it would have said, wonderful, keep going. How often? I am a, he would used to say things like, I have a family, please. <laughs> um... But the gag stopped all of that. How often would you have Latour chained around the neck and with a ball gag in his mouth? Uh, I would say he got an hour every day without it. Okay. Um, yeah, you know. Also, it was helpful for whenever we had to make an escape. If there was a telephone wire, uh, we would slide down <laughs> from the rooftop and... Using the chain around uh, his neck and the red. 18th century France was famous for all the uh, all the phone phone towers. That Lots of it. A lot of phone wires to um Monopoly. To slide down. I just can't get this image out of my head of you and a man with a ball gag and a chain around his neck, and so just like running running through the streets trying to evade police. Yes. Uh, trying to make sure you, you get caught. I it feel reminds bad. Reminds me very much of one of the pictures that I made with you, Buster Fadidio. You made a similar picture Fididio. of that, really, mm -hmm. with both of the Fadidio brothers. Uh, well, we had to switch as soon as one of them died. Okay. Um, so you said one, one of them died like mid-production, so you had to like like sub the other one in? Mm-hmm. And it was a story about the Marquis' life. 
Really? You made a story about the Marquis de Sade's life. You made a movie about, about his life. We made like a kind of Road 2 movie that was also kind of a raunchy sex comedy. What was uh, it? It was yes. the Road to Where? It was the Road to Pleasure. <laughs> and I played was. the Marquis. Ah, I loved it. I would I love. I would love to hear more about that. And I did it with my with my patented French accent. Ooh, I'd love to hear that. Um, Phyllis, you're just joining us. You're listening to Famous Dead People on Radio Free Brooklyn, and my guests today are uh, 18th century French nobleman and erotic author, the Marquis de Sade. Yeah, welcome, <laughs> welcome, those who are just joining us. This is a perfect time to just join. And uh, an American actor and politician and 40th president of the United States, Ronald Reagan. Hello. Um. So, uh, Mr. Reagan. Mm. There were a lot about your pre- there was a lot about your presidency that I have personal disagreements with, uh, not the least of which being the war on drugs. I hope this isn't too broad of a question. Um, but looking back at the massive failure that the war on drugs was and continues to be, I'm wondering what you what you hoped to accomplish with the policies of of punishing drug users so uh, so harshly. I hope to scare people away from selling drugs. Mm-hmm. That was the main hope. Okay, but I mean, don't you think that it's not an effective uh, deterrent because of how many people continued to use and sell drugs even after these policies were implemented? <laughs> you tell me, Jarrett. It's 2017. Do you see any drugs around I anywhere? See everywhere, everywhere that I go. <laughs> it well, is... that's because you don't practice what I practice, which is called selective eyesight. Selective eyesight. Mm-hmm. Okay. I just I, that just feels like you're ignoring, you know, giant problems that continue to exist despite you know massive efforts and and billions and billions of dollars. A white man ignoring actual problems? <laughs> no, Jarrett. No. What I'm saying is that uh, is that uh, what I wanted to do is to create a, 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 a sort of symbol of the world that we could all aspire to. Mm-hmm. That shining city on a hill. It's morning in America. Mm-hmm. We're going back to the future. We're going to say platitudes and we're going to bring everybody together in order to create a more perfect society that we can all aspire to be a part of. Not that we all belong to be in that society, but we're going to create the, the society that we, we, that we want to see. That- I don't need to be there. I just need for my children to be there. The thing that concerns me is it always seems like when you're going on one of these political diatribes, you manage to sneak in the fact that not everybody belongs, that not everybody should be in these utopias that you're creating. Do you do you think that that's a necessary part of your political agenda? Why, why can't you just be inclusive? I believe that everybody belongs so long as they fit. <laughs> And that's the thing. That's the thing, that Jarrett. That's subtle. That's the, well, no, I'm, well, it is subtle because for some people it is subtle. For some people that is a subtle difference. And those are the people that I'm speaking to. Those are the people who I want to vote for me are those who think that there is a subtle difference between those who belong in a certain society and those who don't belong in a certain society. I'm sorry. Those said, are the people whose ears I want to catch. You, say, you said vote for you. Are, you. are you currently running again? Like, are you trying to get back into politics? Now that you're back on Earth? My spirit is alive and well in the Republican Party. Why listen to any Republican? And they will start simply masturbating at the sound of <laughs> at the sound of my name. Yeah, Mr. Desaad, calm down. Yes, calm yourself. Uh, it'll be it'll you be just like vote. it'll be just like the Marquis de Sade when uh, somebody says the name Jackie Gleason, or oh, somebody I... says the General Lee, or somebody says oh. Waylon Jennings. God, I, I gotta put cold water on this. Boss hogs, boss hogs, boss uh, hogs. No, no. Uh, uh, whew, that boner went down quick. I could see it through the pants. Yeah, I just yeah, I think it's interesting. I mean, so many of the Republicans now, though, they they lionize you. But if you looked at any of the policies that you had, you know, they they would arguably be a lot more liberal than what they're currently trying to do. I mean, because that's, that's, even I don't believe in them. Ooh, that is... I believe in an image. I believe in an image, and that's all I care about. How do you think I sold it so well, Jared? Uh, well, I mean, I, all I cared about was an image. You're very, you're very confident and competent uh, salesman, and I think that's one of the reasons why you're so valuable to the war effort and why you were such an effective politician. It's, I was effective for the Cubs. I was effective for uh, for the films that I made with Joe and Buster yes, Fidelio. Yes, you turned the Cubs right around. <laughs> I was, I was. You your tell first, me. You your t- first major success. You tell me. Did the Cubs win a World Series during the time that I was uh, that I was uh, that I was on air for them? I don't know. I don't remember. 
Uh, do you remember, Mr. President? I do remember. And they, they—that's—that's that's why their recent winning of the World Series was such a non-event. Was because they had won the World Series so many times over. I was the one who inspired them to win the World Series for every year that I this announced for them, does not which feel was correct. for seven years. This does not feel uh, correct. Sir, you're walking toward the cliff again. <laughs> Please, uh, mm? come this way, Nancy. Nancy, um, where am I? Mr. Dasad, so you were eventually freed from prison and you were able to start publishing your writings anonymously, which I'm curious about for two reasons. Number yeah. one, we've already discussed how you said that your writings was a way of like attracting other kinky and freaky people to your lifestyle. So why be anonymous? But also it seemed like you were already so famous for being like this giant violent perv in Paris. Like how could you then be anonymous if everybody already knows that you're the weird sex guy in town? Well, because, um, you know, after being in jail for so long, you don't, it, it gets old, it gets boring. And mm. so I was like, you know, well, uh, also I just wanted to, I thought, pretending, what if I was just dead? And then another person was, then uh, uh, what if I faked my own death? So I took my servant, uh, you know his name. The Latour. One. Latour. Of course. Yes. And uh, I strangled him in the cell harder than usual this time. And then I put my hat on him and my clothes on him. And I took his clothes away. I drew a mustache. Oh, my God. And then I ran out of the cell. And I used my old curtain whip to swing across the chasm. Oh, my God. What a daring escape. Yes. And everything blew up behind me. <laughs> And the world. Did you do that? Because I don't remember you saying anything about laying explosives down. Oh, oh yes, I put explosives inside Latour, of course, as always. Uh, sticks of dynamite down oh the God. stomach or down the uh, mouth into the stomach. That must have and been the, extremely erotic for you. Oh, to it was shove those dynamites. Oh, to into- <laughs> that was what took so long, really, um, to know that he could not breathe even if he was able. And then. As the uh, the jail exploded, the whole world went slow mo. The sixty into ninety frames a second. That's probably you just felt that. I don't think it I was. Think, I don't in think the 4K, universe. Just... It was beautiful. You could feel everything and see everything. I can't believe that you killed Latour and then um and then you know put your clothes on him to fake his death, but then also exploded him from the inside with uh with with dynamite that you fillet that you forced him to fillet. Um, making it completely unnecessary for you to have put your clothes on him in the first place. Mm. Oh, was that a sex thing? And that yet you just more <laughs> painful to understand, isn't it? Your pain at understanding turns me on. God, I, uh, boss Hogs, Boss Hogs. Oh, no. Turn this monster off for uh, a hot second. Them Duke boys. So, yeah, so then why decide to publish anonymously if you were trying to, you know, get everybody, uh, you know, on board with your, with your freaky lifestyle? Well, because then maybe, oh, you know, there's another guy who just believes that kite flying is super erotic and good for children. Oh, now there's two people. <laughs> hey, maybe I should start doing it. You know? Mm, okay, I, I can see that. And then maybe uh, sort of like Fight Club, you would slowly reveal that you're the person so that they know, you know, like, oh, if you're talking about it, then maybe I'm around. Then maybe I'll I'll let you on a little secret. It's me. That yes, sort of thing. exactly. Oh, okay. I am Jacques Rebbe Libido. Did, did that ever work? Because it's a great reference, by Thank the way. Thank you. Did that ever I work? I like that you changed Jack to Jacques. <laughs> I am on top of my David Fincher. <laughs> All the time. Well, I'm wondering, did that ever work because... He does so many takes based in his movies that his, it makes pain. Based on um, uh, what I read in your Wikipedia, it seems like a lot of the sex that you were engaged in was, uh, for lack of a better term, kind of rapey. Like you would hire servants, you would like force yourselves on them, they would quit and run away because they didn't like... Um, you know, being being forced upon and stuff like that. So, what did anybody ever? Did you ever find anybody? Is that considered kind of rapey? That's, I mean, twenty seventeen. I'm 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 uh, I'm oh, tapping like it down this, a little bit. I like because, this time more than I thought. No, 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 no. That's definitely rapey. It's definitely rapey. But I'm, I, I wanted to be as uh, as as forgiving of an interviewer as I could. Oh, uh, you know, I it, it doesn't it doesn't do an interviewer any favors to uh, to make his, his interviewee feel defensive. So I wanted to let you know that this was a safe space, but no, it was 100% rape. Um, so... <laughs> so yeah, did that ever work? Did, anybody, did you ever hear anybody reading the book and was like, oh man, I'd love to hook up with a dude who wrote this or whatever, and then you would reveal yourself and then go have a night of consensual sex? 
It did work all the time. Really? Yes, of course. As I said before, I never respected other people's rooms and boundaries. Mm -hmm. And so I would often be hanging from the ceiling or uh, behind the lamps in uh, other people's rooms mm -hmm. as they read. Um, and, uh, you know, sometimes I'd give out free copies of my books at uh, colleges because... <laughs> That is where people are young and uh, open-minded. Mm -hmm. And if they said, oh, this sounds great. You know, it's like how everyone read Fifty Shades of Grey and they loved this story, you know? The <laughs> yeah, story is great. For yes. those who are listening, he did air quotes around That's great radio. Story. It's you really know? good radio. Yep. I'm an announcer, Jared. And how, <laughs> and how hardware stores sold out of nylon rope around the time of Fifty Shades of Grey came out, which mm -hmm. is true. Um it is that kind of thing. Whoever was going to buy some new rope or whoever was passing around that book, I you knew. You knew they were down. They you were knew they down. were down to clamp. Yes, absolutely. All right. Now, unfortunately, we only have time for one more question. Um, and, you know, normally I would throw this back to the president. The but yes. I have a, pr a very pressing question that I feel like we'd both be really interested in finding out from the marquee. Sure. Um, and it is that you had a, a sort of, interesting instructions for your death so like you were thrown in jail you know so many times in your life you ended up dying in jail in this um insane asylum uh and oh you, yeah you requested that <laughs> you requested that your your body remain untouched for 48 hours after death and that your body not be autopsied or opened up for any reason at all and i'm wondering what was the purpose of these instructions to leave your body untouched for two days and to not be autopsied or cut open at all well, it's simple. It's it. It is because I was like Latour, stuffed with dynamite. Ah, and I okay. didn't want anyone to know. It is very much how the Joker escaped in the Dark Knight. <laughs> you stuffed yourself with dynamite. With dynamite. Well, the Joker stuffed um, an explosive into somebody else, and that's how. And then he like called the phone, and then dialed the yes. activation code because it was a phone. <laughs> it was a phone that was inside the guy. It was a phone that was linked to explosives inside that dude's body. Yes, great So you're scene. saying that your death was an elaborate escape plot? It was. It was. I, it was an escape plot, absolutely. Okay. Was I really dead? Well, here's the thing. And I mean, I, I'm sure you're disappointed by this, but they did not uh, heed your instructions at all. And they, they autopsied you and they took your skull out and tried to study, <sighs> study, to study the phrenology of it. Um, and I'm assuming they just found all that dynamite then inside of you that you were planning on using to escape by exploding your own body? Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> they did. It was an homage to, again, the ultimate sub, Jesus H. Christ. <laughs> that you were going to sacrifice your body so that you could escape from prison somehow. So I would rise up three days later because the sexual uh, joy of being a sub, the way Jesus felt it, mm -hmm. the way Jesus Christ felt uh, there oh on God. the cross um, would be strong enough to raise me up again. Yeah, no, that's um, I, I, I am skeptical that that escape plan would have worked. And I hope that you see why that escape plan would I not do have now. worked. <laughs> I do now. I loved drugs, Ronnie. I, I really yes. wish, I really wish that they had not touched your body so that we could have seen whether or not the escape plan would have worked. Yes. Me you know, and I'm assuming that they took all the dynamite out and diffused everything and, you know, it, it it bothers me a little bit that they used your skull for phrenology because obviously that's not a legit science. You know, you don't you don't learn anything from studying the bumps on someone's skull. You know, no. but but I can understand. I guess they needed to learn that somehow. I think it, if you had the Marquis decide skull, you'd be like, I want to look at it. Oh, definitely, hundred percent. I gotta look up. We gotta look up and see if it's interesting. If it's somewhere, I think the three of us should go check out the Marquis decide skull skull. You know, sometime when we're off mic. I got. I think that'd be a fun I trip got, for the three of us. Let's. Let's arrange it while we're on mic. No, yeah. I think, well, unfortunately, we don't have any time for that. I we'll have, do that off mic. I've got my yeah, calendar. I've got lots of fun car games for us to play on the way. <laughs> Sounds great. Uh, so that's all this for this week's episode of Famous Dead People. I'd like to thank my guests, uh, Ronald Reagan and the Marquis de Sade, for joining me in the studio today. <laughs> What's that? Oh, that's the noise of the, um, of the General Lee. Lee. Uh, right. Look at you. You're rock hard again. Ah, you, yes. you have no shame. And stop making me look at your hard dick, you creep. <laughs> 
Uh, I do have one final question for my guest. I know it's a little bit weird, but I like to end all my shows by asking if you'd like to plug any comedy shows or have a funny Twitter account that you like a lot. Um, uh, Mr. Reagan, President Reagan, do you have anything you want to tell people about? Oh, sure. You know, I came about in the 1940s, and there is an improv show called X Plus One. It's an uh, improvised sci-fi 1940s uh, podcast uh, in the style of a sci-fi radio show. It's once a month at the pit, and it's a lot of fun. Wonderful. And uh, and Mr. Desaad, Mr. Marquis Desaad, anything you want to tell people about? Well, yes, of course. Um, if, you, if you really love pain, if you really enjoy, you know, just the feeling of, of hopelessness. Get closer to the mic, Marquis. If you really enjoy <laughs> that closer. feeling of anguish and torture, I teach uh, character comedy class. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, that is terrifying. So, go to newyork.usbtradingcenter.com and sign up for classes with I, the Marquis de Sade. Wonderful. And are your rates competitive? Not at all. <laughs> Way inflated. And, at uh, your better. I am your host, uh, Jared Berenstein. Check out my website, jaredberenstein.com, for all of my uh, show dates and all my projects. You should all go out and buy my book, The Killing Conway Technique. It is available now, and it is hilarious. If you have any Love questions her. that you'd like to ask your favorite dead person, Please email that to us at famousdeadpeople at radiofreebrooklyn.org, and we will try to have them on as soon as we can. We're here every Monday at 3 p.m. on Radio Free Brooklyn. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Famous dead people.